Oh, Jesus is awesome tonight, especially tonight. Amen. Jesus is awesome tonight, especially tonight. Amen. You, you may be seated if you guys want to. We'll have you come up at the end, though. That was tremendous worship. I just enjoyed going up. You know, the kingdom's all about going up. Uh, who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Church should be about going up. Uh, we're, we're supposed to be changed, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're changed from glory to glory. Not glory to gory, glory to glory. And that means like this. You see, ever-increasing faith and the light that shines ever brighter. And so that's the way the church should be. We can have revival. And I get to hang around a lot of guys that uh, the, the, the reason they minister revival is they know to, how to have revival in their own spirit, in their own soul. And they know how to walk in the river. And not just drink from the river and flop around like a fish. I like that stuff. But to walk in the understanding and the wisdom of what God is doing. It's one thing to experience the glory. It's another thing to have the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Because when the glory comes, and it is coming, it's not will come, is coming. When the glory comes and it moves like it is, you see, the important thing to know is what to do when it comes. And what's going on. And God has shown us many, many things since we've been in, in New Zealand. God has shown us many things in the spirit and, and how God is it's really awesome. You know what? It's New Zealand's time right now. It's like a, a cyclical thing. It's, it, you see, here's another visitation. Do you want it, you see? And if you want it, God has it. It's available for you. But you see, it's all about the container. Because if you put the glory in a container full of holes, there can be a lot of glory. But next week, it's not there anymore. You've got an empty container with a few drops. You want the container. You need to prepare yourself. And as you prepare yourself, God will pour into you. So this week, prepare yourself for God to pour into you his glory and his presence. So you'll have fruit and that your fruit will last hallelujah and we're believing god for tremendous signs wonders and miracles and jeff has a great big rock that came out of heaven and uh he'll be showing that later and isn't that awesome what god can do how about gold teeth i like gold teeth you know i don't think i prayed for gold teeth last time but i'm going to at this conference because i believe that god wants to fill some teeth here today how about that how about some crowns gold teeth uh, gold fillings. We've seen like silver filling. We've seen people's like gray fillings go like platinum. Um, he, uh, you had a guy with a diamond, right? We, we did as well. We brought a guy, he got saved and the night he got saved, God put a diamond, his filling like turned to platinum. And like five years later, we still like platinum with a diamond in it. And he wasn't saved when he went to the meeting. In fact, Todd Bentley was ministering and the power of God touched him. And he, and the guy, the guy next to him opened up his mouth and he saw good, God put a gold tooth in the guy's mouth next to him. And he ran up and he ran right into Todd Bentley, almost knocked him over. Todd goes, what are you doing here? He says, I want to be a Christian. I brought him. He was one of my students. And he goes, why? He says, I saw God put a gold tooth in that guy's mouth. You know, the word, I mean, he was like, yeah, I believe. Hallelujah. And God gave him one. And he was known by all the non-Christian kids as the guy that God put a diamond in his tooth because he couldn't deny it. He comes to school and he's showing everybody his diamond. Isn't that something? Why would God put a diamond in somebody's mouth? I mean, the rappers do it all the time. Why not get it for free from heaven? Hallelujah. What about that? And why wouldn't he do it? Why wouldn't God do that? People, nah, well, I don't know. Some people, you know, they're looking at me like a cow at a new gate, but that's okay. You see, God is doing, God is, uh, you know, above and beyond what we can even think or imagine. He does all this stuff, you know, and, and God's, there's a lot of power in the room tonight. Yeah. God wants to move in your mouth. The Bible says, open your mouth and I will fill it. God wants to do something in your mouth. He wants to put some gold in there tonight. Yeah. We were at a meeting uh, with, with Jeremy and one lady got 17 gold, gold uh, caps in her mouth. 17. That's a lot. She needed a lot of dental work. The last lady we prayed for at Joshua's church, 
Um, she just went, I got, I got a cavity over here. And I went, where? Oh, yeah. I said, did you have a gold, did you have a gold cap when you came? She goes, no. And in front of her eyes, and we have some of it on a video because it, it happened and it took about three minutes. And God just, seven or eight teeth. We, it was like a river of gold just went, and God just fixed her teeth, gave her a whole bunch of new gold teeth. Do you like that stuff or not? Because if you don't, I'll take yours. Hallelujah. It's the way it works in the kingdom. Got to learn how to steal. Right, Jeff? Okay. Praise God. Strike, yeah, don't, anyway, I was going to say strike that from the tape, but that's okay. You know, the Bible says the guy that had one talent and he hid it because he was afraid to lose it. You see, fear of deception is the worst deception. You see, people have a fear of deception and, and because they don't know their Lord. You need to trust God more that he'll keep you from deception than believe the devil will deceive you. You see, and the church doesn't. And you see, we have a, we have a fear of these things and our, we want to kick into our mind. And then, and then we wonder why five years down the road we aren't revived. It's because when God moved, he always moves in unusual ways in revival. And it's never the way you think, so you can forget it. If you're praying for revival, it will not happen the way you think. It won't. It never has. It'll always happen different. And your mind will be offended by some of the things, by the age or how some of the people. I mean, when, God, when the lightning of God hit Todd Bentley uh, 10 years ago, and I was in the room, when the lightning of God hit him, I'm like, this guy? God had told me when the lightning comes... The revival starts in our city and it hit Todd and I'm like this guy and sure and sure enough I mean some people didn't like the package but I'm telling you he's over a million people have come to the Lord through his ministry 22 years old the lightning of God hit him in a room when we were in, with Patricia King and that was it and uh, miracle signs and wonders and so I want to get on board with what God is doing. I'm saying these things very measuredly tonight because there's people sitting in a little bit of a but you know what it's all good hallelujah for you it's for you God this is for you praise God. Boy, that thing's a long ways away. I think I'm going to, uh, can I get that moved up? Is that possible? Yeah, because I'll lose weight doing this. Okay, good. I'm going to talk about <laughs> Psalm 2. Let's turn to Psalm 2. Oh, it's halfway there. Okay, I'll get up there. That's good. Okay, good. I like it down here. That's probably not great for the cameras, but you can still see me. Okay, I'm tall enough, yeah. Oh, you can back that up just a little bit. Keep going, keep going, keep going, stop. That's good. Praise God. Psalm 2. Take a look at this. It says, verse 1, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves. Look very carefully. Did you hear what that verse said? The kings of the earth set themselves. So people want to set themselves in. I want God to set me in. I want God to set me in the place where I need to be. And it says here in verse 6, here's what God has to say. Yet I have set my king. I have set my king in my holy mountain. I mean, you see, this is, this, you know, this is, you know, Jesus. This is the father talking about Jesus, but not only Jesus talking about you. Did you know that? You see, Jesus is the king, but he's the king of kings. Who's the kings? It ain't the earthly kings. The, the kings are us, and we're not king over one another. I've had people listen, their, their eyes get this big, like, I'm a king. Well, I'm, a, I'm the boss over you, like that kind of a thing. You're not the king over people. You're the king. God has given you this earth. God has given you, you, you have kingship over every disease. Did you know that? You have authority over disease. You have authority over the plants. You have authority over the animal kingdom. God has given that to us. He's given us authority. Jesus walked with authority, and he says, you have authority too. What kind of authority? Kingly authority. 
but not just kingly authority. You know, sometimes we talk about kingship and that's way over here. Now, I, I belong to a commonwealth country too, like you guys. And so we understand a little bit about royalty and, you know, the parliament. We got a parliament and all that stuff. But you see, kingship over here without sonship is, can be really dangerous because we're not only kings, we're also sons. And that's what makes it so special. That's what makes it so special because we're related to the king of kings. Did you know that? Your father is a king. Did you know that? Your, your, your elder brother Jesus is a king. The king of what? Kings. You see, lots of times our flesh just goes, I don't want to hear this message. No, you've got to hear this message because you have authority. And the church does not know how to take authority. We don't know the kingly position that we have and the government that God wants to set upon the earth so that we exercise authority over disease, over problems and over all these things. And even over the, even I'm telling you the wind. I mean, I've been in places, I was in England and, and, um, Dudley, England, last year, and the Lord spoke to me about the earthquakes that were coming around 6 o'clock in the morning in Indonesia. And I had to tell the people, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to tell the people. And so I, I just said, well, if there's an earthquake around, uh, around 6 o'clock in Indonesia, you'll know that God spoke to me. And the next morning there was, and a big one too, in Joka, Jakarta, Indonesia, 7 point something, and our whole worship team from Indonesia, the Lord had spoken them to go into that place, into that city, and to intercede. And they were there when the earthquake hit, and God said, you got 60 seconds to get out of the building. And they got out, but there was many people got killed. Why? There was a, there was a spiritual shubabumba in the spirit. And there was tornadoes in the area. Did you know that last week? There's a reason for that. God is cleaning house. Did you know that? And when winds and stuff like that, listen, Jeff was there. I mean, I was in the car and he goes, uh, winds 90 miles an hour coming. He said, is that right? Sammy, Sammy's got the paper. And he goes, uh, yeah, winds 90 miles an hour expected today. And Jeff had said yesterday and the Lord just spoke to him and he might go through some of that. We're talking governmental things that affect the atmosphere. And we were in Indonesia, you probably know our testimony, and we left six days before the tsunami, and God has spoken, mate, there was going to be a terrible earthquake, and it was, something was going to hit the water off the coast of Indonesia. But after that revival, you see, these things are subject to us. Did you know that? See, the earth, Jesus walked on the water. That means you can walk on the water. The, 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 the elements were subjected to Jesus. They're subjected to you. Now, you've got to know what to do with them. You, you can't just go and just rebuke everything. I tried that. I, I was going to take down every principality and power and everything. I mean, all at the same time, you, you got to have some wisdom. Amen. You got to use wisdom and what you do. So this isn't for the faint of heart and it is not for the immature. This is for the hungry and the thirsty. Oh, how hungry are you? Ah, how thirsty are you? I'm going to stand over here because they're hungry and thirsty. How hungry are you? I remember I stood here before and there was a portal. I just wanted to, I know there is, I know you see it, it was right here. I'm just going to stand here. The last time I was here, there was an angel right here. So I'm going to stand here too. This is a good place to preach. Well, that's okay. It's all good over there too, but I'm going to shabba da here. Bam. I might fall down. Then Jeff will take over. So it's all good. So, um, oh man, it's heavy over here. It's good. You know, just get in the glory and who cares what it looks like? No, I don't care. I just want God to use me and I got, want God to touch me. And the very first time this happened to me. I was doing Todd's conference and I got up and I'd never done this before for four days. I did that. The glory came and I just shook and I said, God, I don't look very good. I mean, Rick Joyner's here and I'm like, uh, I'm giving the announcements. Your car's part out in the back. Please move your car. You know, and all the guys are there and you're like, I look like an idiot. And God said this. I didn't call you to look good. I called you to make me look good because we can make them look bad. But we can also make them look good. 
You can please the Lord. The Bible talks about a man's ways pleasing the Lord. You can please the Lord. You can make him sad. See, we talk so much about, you know, how sad the church makes God. But what about making him happy? If we can make him sad, we can make him happy. We can make God happy. Can you imagine that you, just you, can make God happy? Man, meditate on that one. And so for four days, I just shook. And God just wrung all the dignity out of me. Well, not all of it. He's still working on that. Psalm 2, kingship. I've set my king. God sets his king on his holy hill of Zion. I want you to, I've had people say, well, that's talking about Jesus. Yes, it is. But it's also talking about you. It also says this. It says, um, ask of me, pardon me, verse seven, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. How are you going to do it? You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. And I know it's speaking about Jesus, but it's speaking about you, you guys. It is because you have a promise. Let's go over to the book of Revelation really quickly. And I'm not preaching yet. I'm treading water. And, and we're going to find out how this pertains to you. This is, this is the same promise. The same promise that was given to Jesus is also given to you if you're an overcomer. And it says it right here in the book of Revelation, chapter 2. This is good. Say, this is good. And it is. Verse 26, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Didn't he say that in Psalm 2? Now, how do you exercise power over nations? It tells you how. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. That's from Psalm 2. But look what it says after that. As I also have received from my father. Jesus said, I received this from my father, but you get to do it too, if you're an overcomer. And not when you die, you won't need to do that. Now, hallelujah. Now, hallelujah. Now, that's not talking about clubbing people over the head. We're talking about moving into areas. This is not for the faint of heart or the immature, by the way. You see, this is for those that are hungry and thirsty. Because God is not choosing an army according to how big your head is. I had a big head, by the way, in ministry. I won't go there. But God told me I did. And he, and he said it was so big that when you came in the church, your head stayed outside. It couldn't fit through the door. God told me that. It was all about me. More of me and less of you and less of you and less of you and more of me. I mean, that's the way I was in the 80s. And God said, that, that's got to go. And you see, it can't be about you. It's just not for the faint of heart. This is for those that are thirsty. And I found out that God loves thirstiness almost more than anything else. Are you hungry and are you thirsty? Remember Gideon's army from 30,000 to 300. How did he choose them? By according to whether or not they were thirsty and how they drank. How they drank, not just whether they were thirsty. You've got to drink differently. You know, I know the guys that drank, drank like this and they stood up and I've heard the, I've heard the sermon, you know, they were watching and drinking, but you see, there were 300 of them only. And there was thousands of others that had their heads stuck in the water. I mean, you know what? Those 300 stuck out and God said, I'll take those guys. How many of them? 300, according to whether or not they were thirsty. Are you thirsty tonight? And are you willing to drink differently than everyone else? That's the thing. You see, that's the thing. Because when God comes and you drink from the river, it might do something to you. You might get wild a little bit. Now, some of you are wild outside of church anyway. Hello? You are. Oh, yeah. And, you're, you know, you, 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 and the world out there, you, know, you watch all the wild stuff, and then you come to church and you're holy. Well, no, that's not how it works. In fact, if you want to get really close to God, the Bible tells you what's, what's in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says in the presence of the Lord there is joy forevermore. What? 
joy forevermore. Having not seen him, yet we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of boomba, joy, glory. I got lost there for a minute. I was going up. Having not seen him, yet we rejoice with joy unspeakable. Oh, man. And full of glory in the presence of the Lord. There's what? Oh, fullness of joy in his presence. Uh, And when you get joyful, you know, many people go, you know, I have joy. The lemons, you know, those guys, right? Mr. and Mrs. Lemon. They sit in a church and they're examining, scrutinizing everything. And they'll come up to me every now and then they do. I have joy. That joy stuff. That's not from God because I have joy. I tell them, let your face know if you have joy. Your face should know if you have joy. That's one of the first telltale signs. If you have joy, your face will know. If your face doesn't know, you're in big trouble. You know, I tried to do, I tried, you see, I tried to get this all at once one time. I figured I was, I, I, I read a good book, Come Down Dark, I thought it was a good book, Come Down Dark Prince, and I sort of messed it up for me because I tried to do everything at one time, take every principality of everywhere out at one time. That's not using wisdom. And I was rebuking and the binding and the cast, and I didn't know what I was doing. And then God said, see, we need the wisdom of God because God wants you to take those down. I mean, they have to come down. They've got to come down, but it's how you do it. Oh, God's a gracious. You know what he said to me? What are you doing? I was like, come down! Like outside with the cars going by and the windows open and people looking, come down, you! And people were looking like, and then God was looking like, what are you doing? And when God doesn't know what you're doing, you're in big trouble. And he taught me how to to do some of the stuff. You see, because it's... uh, It's the manifold wisdom. I'm going to stand over here. This is really good over here. I think this is reserved for me here. I feel like I'm going to get beamed up at any moment. Hallelujah. It's all good. Oh, hallelujah. I'll just shake a bit. That's good. Well, just receive drink. If this is how, anyway, God has chosen an army according to how you drink. Yum, yum, yum. It's in the room. The wine is in the room. You guys in the room. So have a drink, sit there and just drink. Just drink. Just sit there and drink. Just, you don't have to shoot. And if you want to, that's fine. But drink. Make sure you drink. You'd be surprised what God does. He'll give you the numb skull anointing. And many, many wives pray for their husbands. I know. It's in code. They're praying in tongues. And what they're saying is, God, give them the numb skull. Give them the numb skull. Give them the numb skull. You know what the numb skull is? They come in with a head full of stuff, trying to understand it. And God just goes, bam! And they can't remember anything. And they're like, it's like Jeff says, don't think, just drink. Just drink. Oh, it's all good. You feel that? It's all good. Yeah, where was I? Who cares? It's all good. We'll get back there. Revelation. Did you read that? 2, verse 20, uh, 27. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel. And I don't share this everywhere I go. I usually ask if there's any Anglicans in the room. Any Anglicans in the room? No Anglicans? How about any Mennonites? Hittites, Jebusites? Okay, we're good. We're safe. No, uh, I grew up as an Anglican. You know what an Anglican is? I, there's some here that you're just not admitting it. But anyway, um, I, was, I grew up in the Anglican. Thank God. And you know when I got saved when I was 18? All the scriptures I learned from Sunday school came flying back to me. I didn't even know I'd, I knew all those scriptures. But I wasn't born again until I was 18 years old. But in, in our town, we lived in a small town. It used to be larger. And so they built this big, humongous Anglican church. Wonderful. Angle. We had the biggest stained glass window in Canada. And the biggest pipe organ in Canada. I mean, filled like half the church. And I almost broke the window too. But anyway, um, and I grew up there. It had a slate floor. 
Like, you know what they put in pool tables? A rock floor. A church. That's a hard church, man. I mean, it had a slate floor. And it had one of the pulpits that was like a tower. You walk up and you preach from the top. That's pretty cool. You like that? And uh, not two towers, so just one. And um, lots of cool stained glass windows. And anyway, they needed somebody to be the, um, the altar boy. They had no altar boy. And in the church, there was about 12 people every Sunday. There was my family and about five other people. And that was about it. My three brothers would come. They put us all in the choir. So here's me and my three younger brothers were sitting there. And, and on the other side were about three ladies, about 85 and over. And the organist was over 90. And so we were a mischievous bunch, you know, anyway, spitballs. and Anyway, not good. But anyway, we went to church. Praise God, we went to church. But I, I tried to believe in God. Like I'd go to church and I, I literally look at the stained glass window and try to get a vibe. You know, I'd see, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I'd, I'd, I wouldn't get any. And I thought, man, it'd be great if God is real, but he's not. And, and then they made me the altar boy for a bad move <laughs> at 14. You see, the reason I'm sharing this, this story is because a couple of years ago, the Lord said, Charlie, I've given you a staff. And I'm like, you have a staff, like a staff, like Moses. I'm like, I've given you a staff in the spirit. And I'm like a staff in the spirit. What's a staff in the spirit? Now, when you're from Canada, you know, maybe you think, well, maybe it'd be good if I, if I took a hockey stick around, that'd look pretty good. That'd make a good staff, you know? Part the highway with your, you know, God, give me a, and I said, God, you gave me a staff. What do you mean? He said, I've given you a staff and you never use it. I've given you authority, governmental authority to use against the enemy and you never use it. And I'm like, I didn't know I had one. When did I get it? He said, when you were 14. And I'm like, oh, the staff. And here's what happened. Here I was an altar boy. You know, I had the white and I did it very like as reverentially as I could. And I mean, you know, but, but I kept thinking, man, if, if, if I'm representing God, we're all in trouble here because I mean, I'm, <laughs> we're in trouble. And so one day the bishop came and they did the thing, you know, the confirmation. If you read that confirmation book, it's pretty, there's a lot of, it's all scripture. And, and anyway, the, the bishop came in and the bishop was a bishop, a big white, he looked like a chess piece, you know, the big guy with a big white hat. And I looked like the pawn. I mean, we were a good pair. He comes, he comes floating in and here I am. And so he's got his staff. Now, this staff was no ordinary staff. It was 297 years old. It was the oldest religious symbol in North America, not Canada, North America. It was the oldest religious symbol of religious authority. And he gave it to me to hold. And he said to me, be very careful. Do not let this out of your sight. And so we did our thing. You know, he did what he did. Praise God. He gave it to me. I'd hold it and he would do it and then I'd give it back and he would do the thing. And then he gave it back to me. And then he started to hobnob at the end of the service. And I'm like, I'm holding the stuff. I didn't know what to do with it. So I went and leaned it against the turret, the, the pulpit. And I took one step this way and I heard a sound and I went, not good. And as I'm turning around, I hear snap. And I go, that's really not good. Because when I look down, there are no longer, is no longer one staff. Now there's two staffs. And that thing split down the middle and broke. One piece there and a foot and a half over here is another piece. And my brother Brian was conveniently standing right there. I said, Brian, what did you do? And everybody looked at him and I hit the exit on the other side. God said, I gave you authority 14 years. I'm like, I wasn't even born again. No matter. I had been given authority to do what? To break the religious spirit that was there. 
I didn't know God had given me that. I didn't know I was going to travel the world either till 79 when God said, you're going to go all around the world. I said, why? <laughs> I didn't know. I wasn't, I wasn't a preacher and I'd never really had aspirations of going anywhere to preach. I'm from Quebec, just outside of Montreal. We're moving back uh, the, the end of this month. We're moving back to Quebec. And I mean, I didn't have aspirations to go and preach around the world. God says, you're going around the world because you're going to know too much. And when you know too much, you got to go. That's the thing with the kingdom. When you know too much, you got to preach. That's, that's what it is. And God said, one day, you know too much, go. And he opened the doors. But not just doors to have meetings. I'm not here to have a meeting, you guys. I'm here to see heaven and earth move, especially heaven. I want to see heaven move. I want to see God's people come into the fullness of what God has called them to do. Now, we have teachers for that. We have evangelists that save people. We have pastors. But we also have people that come in. And I don't, you know, some people say I'm a prophet, but I don't call myself a prophet. And I'll tell you why. Not that I'm not. But you know what? I just like to hear from God. And I, and, and I spent most of my life just seeking God to know him intimately. And, and as a part of that, I got to hear and see things. And so should every one of us. We should all have a testimony of what we've seen and heard. John said we testify of those things which we've seen and heard. You see, so I do have prophetic and I go in different places and, and that ministry of a prophet is there. And when it is, sometimes it scares me. It really does because stuff happens and I'm going, I'm not that kind of a, you know, judgment kind of a guy that just hitting people on the head. But I'll tell you what, I've seen God move and I've seen the staff of God come and move heaven and earth. And, you know, last week, some stuff moved around today. I mean, today we were both. He was in his hot tub. I was in my hot tub. Hot tub. What do you call that thing? Bathtub with a on it. Yeah. And we were there and it went. I mean, it was moving. Something moved this afternoon and it felt like this is what it felt like. A big throne was put in place. And I'm like, wow, the Bible says and thrones were put in place. There's a scripture. That, I don't know where that we're going to find that one. But you see something happen. Do you realize what happens in the heavenlies? Church is not just church on this level. God's moving there. There's a reason people don't get saved in your city. You see, and you have been given authority. And you've been given, some of you have a staff of authority that's been blossoming. I'm going to talk about the budding, you see, the budding rod. They're the budding staff. Remember Aaron's rod? They threw all the staffs in the pile and Aaron's budded. We have to know who has authority and who has favor on them. And you see a lot of people who have a staff, they just want to get up there. No, 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 no. Is it budding? Is it your time? Do you have the favor of God on you? We meet people all over the world. They go, well, I have the same anointing as you. And they give them their stack of prophecies and all the stuff that God gives them. And, and it's all good. And it's probably much of it's from God. The problem is they have no favor because three people like them and that's it. And four people want to hear what they have to say. And if that's the case, you just seek God and pray until God gives you favor and blessing. Because faith, I'm going to stand over here. This is really good over here. I don't know what it is. The same as last time. It's good over there, you guys. But here, there's something right here. So, but there's a blessing. And there's favor that comes when your staff or your rod blossoms and the almond blossoms come and all that begins to happen. You see, it's happening in the room tonight. It's going to happen for some people. There's going to be a releasing and there's going to be a releasing of authority in your life. There's a coming a time of favor for many of you. And it's all about the favor. It's all about the, I mean, I, I asked God when he said, you're going to travel the world. I said, why? Like, why? What am I going to do? Just what? And he goes in the fullness of time. See, the Bible says about Jesus in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. But in exactly the same way, in the fullness of time, God is sending forth his sons. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. But in the fullness of time, God is sending forth his sons. The Bible says that all creation groans and travail. And they're waiting for something. The manifestation of the sons of God. But the, in the fullness of time, they will be manifested. And it is rapidly coming upon us. I'm not talking about Christianity here. When you're born again, you didn't enter the religion called Christianity. 
And if you did, get over here in the kingdom of God because you're born again into a kingdom, not a religion. We've made the kingdom and the priesthood and all that stuff, everything, where really when you got born again, you became part of a family. And your heavenly father is, is, is king and God of the whole thing. And your elder brother is your advocate, which means your lawyer. And so when you stand in that place where the accuser of the brethren comes, and you need to go there, by the way. It's called the throne of grace. You need to go and stand there because the enemy will come there whether you're there or not. And if you don't show up, he'll stand there and he'll accuse you day and night. And that's why things happen to people. They don't realize at any time they can go there and say, God, I'm standing before you. And, and whatever the accusation, the, the enemy's not going to accuse you, you know, with a lie because God ain't going to believe it. And so whatever there is in your life, just stand before God and say, God, here it is. And God goes, not guilty. Not guilty. Read Zechariah. He was there and God rebuked the devil. And then he put a, you know, a white turban on him and, a, and, and, cl- and clothed them. You see, this is what God will do for you. But many people don't go there. Many, many people don't go to the throne of grace and mercy and say, God, I need grace and mercy. God says, you got it. Why? He's your father. Right. Wink, wink. He's the judge, your father. Right. It's tilted in your favor. Your lawyer is your brother and the son of the judge. That's how it is, you guys. What does the Bible say? Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. God's willing for you to come. If your sins be as scarlet, come, let us reason together. They'll be white as snow. But you've got to come to that place. Because they both don't like the accuser whatsoever. They don't like the prosecuting attorney. They've had it with him. And they're looking for you to say something. God wants you to say something. Anything will do. I mean, he's looking for something. God, here I am. Good enough. Sometimes you just got to show up. Right. Sometimes you just got to show up to win. No, no, the Bible says it very clearly. We don't show up enough. We always want to fight. You don't always fight. Did you know that? If you're under attack, David was under attack. He never fought when he was under attack. He hid when he was under attack. Read the Psalms. God was his fortress when he was under attack. God was his, his high tower. God was his secret place. You don't put up your sword. You put up your shield when you're under attack. You need to know when to fight and when not to fight. David always went into the secret places, sought God. Should I go? And when God said, go, go. And he always won. But sometimes you just have to show up. Often when God tells you to go, not all the time. And some people are called, you know, warriors and they get up there and do, they do a lot of the battle for us. But many times God has me show up and that's it. And I'm like, God, it's not fair. That pastor worked like, you know, the heat of the day. And God says, yeah, you're the one hour guy. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, the parable of the guy that worked all day. And he got the same wages as the one guy that came on the end. And, you know, the, often, the guy, often when we do meetings like this, it's like, wow, the guys come. No, 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 no. These guys have done the work. You've done the, you've, you guys are the guys that have done the work during the day. And so, you know what? It's a culmination of everything together, not just one person with a gift. Are you kidding me? It's what God is doing in you. That's why we're here. Otherwise, we could have stayed home. But it's what God is doing in you. And this is to ignite and come with you and bring us to a higher place. Bam! And so the enemy moves out and you take that place of authority with your staff that God has given you. I'm using the staff because that's what God told me. Are we liking this or not? You guys got to take this home too. You see? And, and what we do is when we, when we do these things and when we move in this authority realm, you know, it's not a matter of rebuking everything either. It's, it's a matter of showing up. Remember Jehoshaphat? There was an army coming against them. There's no way they could have defeated them. And so what did they do? He said, God, we don't know what to do. That's a good prayer. 
It's not a bad. I was taught that's a bad prayer. You never say that. Yeah, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What happened? The prophetic was released. Some people, when they don't know what to do, they just do something. That's bad. He said, that's, that's how religion comes. We've got to do something, so let's do something. That's a bad place to be. But our eyes are on you. What happened? The prophetic, was re- was, was, uh, the prophetic came forth. What happened when the prophetic came forth? It said the people got together and they appointed the praisers. Now, it doesn't say the praisers appointed themselves. Can you imagine all the praisers, the worship team? Okay, there's an army of a quarter of a million people, and we've appointed you to go ahead. How, do you think they were praising God pretty loud? <laughs> they're at the front. They're like, uh, okay, hallelujah, here they go. They're it. And you know what? They showed up. Guess what happened? They didn't have to fight. They won the battle without drawing a sword. Because, now listen, you never fight to win. Did you know that? You've already won. The church has already won. Jesus said it's finished. It's all done in him. He won the battle for you. Woo! You don't have to fight to win. You fight. What do we got here? Hokey, smoky. That's beautiful. That is a big diamond. I mean, a big, you got that? This is wonderful. Look at that. Ian. I am. I am. When when these guys saw the portal over here, I I I've seen the same thing, and this thing came out like this, and I said, "Okay, can you feel the wind? Can you feel the wind?" And she's saying, "No, no." And I'm sitting there, and I, I open my Bible, and he starts talking about the throne. I'm thinking, "God, diamonds in your throne," and and I get really uncomfortable in between my fingers, and there's this this blasted thing sitting in my hand, and I said, "Okay, you've got to have a look at this." It was just sitting in your yes. hand. <laughs> The, the wind, what, the, from the portal, I saw this thing come out like this, and I, th- I thought it was wind just blowing in here. And I could feel it sitting down. I kept on saying, okay, can you feel the wind? Can you feel the wind? And then I, then he started talking about the throne. I'm going to try and find that scripture about the throne. I opened the Bible, and I get really uncomfortable. And I'm thinking, what the hang is this? And I said, okay, look, look, look at this. And it's Hallelujah. sitting there. So. Hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah, Lord. We want to thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from heaven. That's, I guarantee that's a perfect diamond. That came out of the treasury room of heaven. Hallelujah. And it's connected with the city and it's connected with government. No, it's connected with government. If you read, we were reading today. You know, we were talking about this all day at Ian's. This is awesome, Ian. Hallelujah. That, isn't that good? Because we were talking about this. We were talking about the city. And how the city, the foundation, the apostolic foundation of the city of God, right? It says, it says, I was shown the lamb's wife and in the foundation, it says the foundation of the apost was the apostles, but it says it was all the precious stones. See, we're talking about foundational stuff. We're talking about kingdom. We're talking about government and signs and wonders. Hallelujah. Let's have some more, Lord. We love that. God, we love it when you do that. We love to see what you do because it gives you glory. We give glory to God when that happens. I like that stuff. That thrills me that God would do that for us. We, you know, we need to thank God for that, you guys. We're not thankful enough tonight. I mean, we need to thank God. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I am seriously getting ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Seriously. What about you? 
I'm getting ready. Hallelujah. God is adorning his bride. That's why diamonds are falling. That's why gold dust is falling on people. That's why these things are happening. The Bible says in Isaiah 60 that his glory will be seen on you. He's literally dropping things on people. And, and there's a, lo a lot of gold dust and people don't understand it. You know, receive it. You see, so many people come into a meeting with a critical attitude and they, wait and, and they, they come critically. But the Bible does not say to disprove anything. Did you know that? It said, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. But so many people come to disprove and doubt. And you know what? You're going to go without. You'll, you won't get anything from God. And, and you've got to watch out because that one talent that you bring around with you, if you don't give it unto God and say, God, I want to multiply this thing. I want to see you move. I want to see your glory. And you see, faith demands risk. And the reason we don't see more miracles is we don't step out. Seriously. We, why don't we see more miracles? Why, why don't we step out more? We'd see more miracles. You know what would happen if you took a journal and prayed for 2,000 people who were sick? You just said, okay, for the next, you know, the next 2,000 people that are me, I'm going to pray for them, lay hands on them and pray. Do you know what you'd have after you prayed for 2,000 people and logged everyone in? You'd have a healing ministry, a worldwide healing ministry. So many people would get healed because you prayed for them. Why don't we have healing ministries? We don't pray. We don't believe God and go out and touch. We've got to go out and touch. We've got to go out and pray. We've got to, we've got to declare. See, tonight I'm declaring. But what I'm doing, I'm declaring the kingdom. So anyway, God, I'd like some more of that stuff. That'd be good. Okay, so we're talking about staff. We're talking about a rod. We're talking about kingship and we're talking about sonship in Psalm 2. Remember Psalm 2? My king of my holy mountain, but also the decree, you are my son. How many have ever heard God say, you're my son? It says it in the Bible. So if you've read it, you've heard it. That's God speaking to you. We have been adopted. We know that. We, we're children of God, right? Yes. So God said it to you too, just like Psalm 2. So to be a king and to be a son is something very special when your heavenly father is king of everything. And you're his son. He's made you a joint heir with his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. You're co-heirs together. Woo! Hallelujah. And he's given you already all things freely. The Bible says, if he gave you his only son, how will he not give you all things freely to what? Enjoy. How much of the kingdom is within you? Everything. The kingdom of God is within you, Jesus said. What does that mean? The kingdom is within you. That means everything, everything, everything is within you. And much of the church believes the lie that Satan told Eve when he came to her and said, did you, you know, did God say you couldn't eat from the fruit trees? She goes, you know, the story, except he, then he goes on to say, no, you will not die. Because God knows in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes will be open and you'll what? You'll be like God. They were already like God. Were they not? Yes, they were. And God had not withheld anything from them, but told them not to eat from that tree. You see, if we don't believe that everything is within us that we need, we're believing that lie. Because we're saying God's withholding stuff from us. God is, with, God is not withholding anything from you tonight. Nothing. Zero. The scepter is extended from the throne to you today. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Man. Do you want to see miracles? Begin to pray. You want to see signs of wonder? Begin to pray. But get really thirsty. You know, um, I was with Rick Joyner last year and we were doing a conference in Abbotsford. And uh, I was in the green, uh, he was in the green room and I walked in and I had just done myself a good die job. 
This is the last time. God told me the last time I dyed my hair yellow, that's it. So that's it. After this, a little bit of yellow is gone. It's the silver. Hallelujah. But then there's a reason for that. But I've been dyeing my hair for about eight years because I lost a bet at the high school I worked at. My wife liked it so much. She told me to dye my hair yellow. So I've had this yellow dye. I call it the glory. But anyway, in my hair. And I had just dyed my head up real good. I mean, it was like, it was looking good. It was, uh, it, I, got, I got the dye from Montreal. And it was a funny kind of dye because when you mixed it together, it was blue, 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 blue. And I took this, I told Shirley, my wife, I said, man, I said, honey, if I put this in my hair, my hair is going to turn blue. And sure enough, I put it in there and I mean, it turned blue, my whole head of blue. And I'm like, great. But when I rinsed it out, I had the most beautiful, like blonde glory gold hair. Oh, I look good. And anyway, so I walked in and Rick Joyner goes, uh, Charlie, your hair is looking a whole lot more yellow than the last time I saw you. I said, yeah, I said, uh, more glory, Rick. He goes, yeah, glory in a bottle. And I said, well, come on. He goes, yeah, you, you use a bottle. I said, yeah. How many, th- do you guys know who Rick Joyner is? Okay. Well, he's pretty prophetic. Would you say? And so, and so I thought about that. I thought, you know what? That's prophetic. And I know it is. And I started thinking about the blue dye that I bought and, and putting the blue in my hair and it turned gold. And I'm like, so I'm at a meeting the next week. Oh, this is good. This will do you. This is for you guys. And I was in the, not the dye, the story. And so I, I'm in the meeting and I'm sitting in the front row and the glory of God is coming and it's coming stronger. It's coming stronger. And, I, and all I could think about was the blue dye I put in my hair when I put, when I put that blue dye from the bottle and it turned my hair yellow. And I looked at the lady next to me and I see an angel standing with a bottle of blue substance, pouring it out on her hair. And in the spirit, her hair turns yellow and she's gold and she starts shaking violently. And the, and the, and the pastor's wife goes, that woman has never done that before. I've never seen a manifestation. And I saw the angel going, and she's just all over the place. Angels do this stuff. They'll shake you up. The Bible says that everything's going to be shaken. Might as well be now. Why wait till later? You don't want to get shaken later. Let God shake you now. Let God shake you now. The Bible tells us everything's going to be shaken. So that which cannot be shaken may, rem- may remain. So God, shake it all out of me now. Why not just shake it, Lord? And if God wants you to shake, don't shake on your own. But if God wants to shake you up, praise God. And this woman is violently shaking. But I knew why. And so I, 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 I was praying and I looked at the lady next to me on the other side. And here's the angel, the same one, pouring up from the blue bottle. And this blue substance went in her hair and it turned totally gold. And she began to shake. And on either side of me was these two violent, one over here, one over there, violently shaken. And the, and the pastor's wife goes, that woman never does it either. And I'm like, well, I know what's going on. And I said, it's weird, but it's good. And so I get up and here's what I ministered on. I ministered, oh, this is good. I ministered on whether or not you were thirsty or not. And according to how thirsty you are, God is choosing his army. Do you know that God is choosing his army according to how many thirsty people are in this room? I don't care if you have a degree or not, or, you know, if you've been in the ministry or not, that doesn't matter to God. Right now, what matters is how thirsty you are and how hungry you are. I mean, I, I mean, really thirsty and really hungry because God will meet you there. And I said, according to how thirsty you are, just like Gideon's army. And I preached on Gideon's army and the 300, according to how thirsty they were, according to how they drank, that's how God chose them. And we were having a great time. And as soon as I was done preaching, this woman screamed. And she came running up with a blue bottle. A blue bottle of water with a cardboard tag. And she runs up and she asked the pastor's wife. And so I gave her the mic and she goes, I bought this bottle of blue, this, this bottle of water five years ago. And she gave it to me. And she said, it's from the same spring that Gideon's army drank from. And I looked on the cardboard and there was a little map of Israel. And it said, this water is from the same spring that Gideon's army drank from a blue bottle. And I'm like, wow. And she said, five years ago, I brought it. When I brought it home to Canada, she said, the Lord said, put it in the freezer. 
and I'll tell you when to bring it to church. And she said, this morning, I woke up and God says, take that bottle that you bought in Israel and put it in the freezer five years ago. She goes, what bottle? She completely forgot about it. And so she roots around the bottle of the freezer and there it is. And she brought it to church that night. The same water that Gideon's army drank from. And it's in the spirit tonight. There is a water. There's the river right now that's running. And God is choosing according to how thirsty you are. And it's, listen, listen, it's not good enough to swim around in the river. A lot of people come to these meetings and it's good to swim in the river and it's good to shake and bake and shoot baboomba and all that good stuff. But you've got to drink from the river. It's this difference between enjoying it and drinking it. I want to drink because I want to be changed. I want to bubble, 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 bubble. You need to speak to your belly. Bubble belly, bubble. If you've got a good belly, flaunt it. Hallelujah. But I mean spiritual belly. Bubble belly, bubble, bubble. Some of you need to speak. Bubble belly, bubble. It'll do something to you. Because you got a river in there. You got to let it out though. And you know what I did with that water? I cracked that water. Five, five years had been in there. And all these people are going to Israel the next week. And I poured that water from the blue bottle on all their heads. Hallelujah. Tonight, God wants to put his glory on you. Do you realize how much God wants to put his glory on you? He said, I will glorify the house of my glory. The Bible says this. The glory of the latter house is greater than the former. The latter house isn't greater. The glory of the latter house is greater. I want the greater glory. I want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. Why? Because I know my father's going to do it. He promised me he's going to do it. I also have a promise from God. That's why we're here. I have a promise from God that just before revival comes, I'm going to be there. That's where God sends me. That is my promise from God. And sometimes we got to go and really, you know, we went to Indonesia a number of times and saw God move and God would speak. We saw earth, you name it, we saw it. Earthquakes, lightning storms. We had a blue lightning bolt. Sammy came to me and he goes, Dad, God told me blue lightning is going to come in the meeting. And I'm like, what? He said, lightning's going to come right in the meeting. I'm like, oh, man, I hope it doesn't hit me. I knew it was going. When he said it, I was ducking for cover, literally at the front. And the glory of God came. I saw, we saw 1,800 people at a church in Indonesia dancing in circles, just like they do in Israel without anybody leading them. They were just dancing in circles, and then they'd all go back, and they'd all go in, and they'd dance around, and they were going. They were all, most of them had their eyes closed, didn't know what they were doing. And I, and I saw heaven come down, and I saw worship, just like in heaven. And they just, all under the anointing of God, back and forth, and around and around, and then back. It was, I sat there in the glory of, I was weep, I was freaked out. The fear of God was so powerful. And all of a sudden, right from the back came this blue lightning. Bam! And it hit the worship leader, Evie Kasak. And this woman, is, she's a She's a very wealthy woman who leads worship and finances the whole thing. It hit her. She started rolling like a barrel right across the floor and screaming. At the, and I, I said, thank God it didn't hit me and hit her. Hallelujah. And I was happy for her. But, but it hurt. I mean, not hurt, but she was screaming away. She said, pray for me. I just got hit by the lightning. I said, yeah. And all these people come up. They couldn't speak English. like, lightning, light. I said, yeah, yeah, I saw it. The next day in the Singapore paper, which is the, the Straight Times, on the front of the paper, it said, uh, out of the blue, and it talked about the strange blue lightning that hit Batam, Indonesia, which is like a two-hour ferry ride at such and such a time in the middle of our meeting. A strange blue lightning. <laughs> God can do that tonight. I hope he gets you.